some pretty crazy claims over history. You, you get some people who, for example, claim that Elvis is still alive, or people who claim that the moon landings never happened, and generally they're just dismissed. No one really believes those claims. But actually, there's not been a claim as influential over the whole of history as the idea that Jesus of Nazareth rose from the dead on the 9th of April, AD 30. And so what I want to do today is going to be slightly different in part to what you usually get, because usually what we do is we open up the Bible, we read a passage, and we explain what the passage means, and then explain how it's relevant to our life. And we're going to do that. We're going to base it out of 1 Corinthians 15. But for a little bit of what we're going to do today is I want to get you guys thinking two particular questions. And first of all, the first question I want to be thinking about is, did it actually happen? Because if we're doing all of this today, if we're singing songs to Jesus, and if millions of Christians around the world are singing songs to Jesus, praising him because he rose from the dead, and it didn't actually happen, we're living a lie. And we might as well just pack, pack it in, go back home, enjoy our lives, and not bother about it anymore. So I want to get you guys thinking, did it actually happen? Okay, and then the second question, which kind of goes with it, is so what? If Jesus actually rose from the dead 2,000 years ago, so what? What does it actually mean for us? Is it just a nice ending tagged onto the cross? Because it's a bit nasty that the, the hero ends up getting crucified, and so we're going to raise him from the dead, so it's a nice ending. What is it actually about? What does it actually mean that Jesus was raised from the dead? Okay, so you guys up for doing that? We're going to do a bit of thinking today. Um, but if you've got your Bibles, could you turn to 1 Corinthians 15? So 1 Corinthians is a letter written by a church leader called Paul in about um, 54 AD. And he's writing to a church in modern-day Turkey, uh, or that area, um, and he's writing to a church to address quite a few problems. Uh, if you've ever read 1 Corinthians, you'll realize it's a bit of a mess of a church. They have lawsuits. They have um, meeting, public meetings that do more harm than good. They have got someone in the church who is sleeping with his stepmom, and the church is proud of it. They're abusing communion. They're getting drunk on the, on the bread and the wine, and many other things. And they don't actually believe that they will physically be raised from the dead one day. Okay, they, for them, they just, they're, they're like, no, no, we're going to die and we're just going to kind of have some bodiless existence somewhere. And for Paul, this is a big deal. For us, we might kind of think, well, what's the, what's the big deal about that? Why do you have to write a whole chapter on it? For Paul, this is huge. The fact that these guys don't get that they're going to be raised from the dead physically one day is a massive deal for him. And what he does is he spends a whole chapter trying to show that they're wrong. But we're going to read the beginning of that chapter, the first 19 verses, and what you'll see is the pattern of, those, uh, of that particular section is what we're going to do today. We're going to ask the question, did it happen? And then, what on earth does that mean for us? Okay, so we've got the words up there. So, Paul writes, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? 
But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. I don't know what people generally think about Christianity when you talk to them, um, but my kind of, I got a bit of a suspicion that a lot of people think that ultimately Christianity is a bit of a leap into the dark. Okay, it's a bit of, they might call it blind faith. They say at the end of the day, there's not really any evidence for Christianity. At the end of the day, they'll say something like, it's all a matter of faith. You've just got to decide, you know what, I'm going to believe it. And there's not really any evidence for it. And the sad thing is, a lot of Christians can actually buy into that idea. And they'll, they'll actually think, you know, at the end of the day, it's just kind of an issue of me just believing something, even though I'm not really sure if it actually happened. And I don't know if you noticed, Paul won't have any of that. Paul doesn't have any of that. For Paul, he thinks evidence is incredibly important. Did you notice in the first few verses, can we put it back to, there we go. He, keeps, he says Christ was dead, then he was buried, then he was raised and appeared to this person. And then he appeared to this person. And then he appeared to 500 people, most of whom are still alive. In other words, you can go and ask them. They saw Jesus risen from the dead. Okay, but the problem is a lot of people around us, and, a lot, and maybe even some of us, act as if at the end of the day, it doesn't, it's not really evidence that matters. It's just kind of some kind of private belief. And actually, Paul doesn't have any of that. Say, for example, I come along and I say, you know what, I've just won the 100 meters Olympic final. You would have very good reason to ask me for evidence. You'd want to see the video. You'd want to see the official, um, the official score chart or whatever they call it. You'd want to ask people who were there and say, did Dan actually even run in the final, let alone win? You'd want evidence. People want evidence for stuff. And actually, that is not the opposite of faith. I think we've got this idea that actually there's faith on one side and there's evidence on the other. And if you've got faith, it doesn't matter how much evidence you have, you can believe the complete opposite. Actually, that's not what the Bible says. And what Paul does here is he says, here's evidence for the fact that Jesus is raised from the dead. And so that's what we're going to do for the next few minutes. We're going to ask ourselves, is there evidence for the fact that Jesus rose from the dead? Because I'll, I'll, okay, I'll go out on a limb and say, if you could convince me beyond a shadow of a doubt, okay, no doubt that Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead, I quit Christianity. There is no point. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we are living a complete lie and there's no point going forward with this. So it's so important that we realize, why do we actually believe this? Okay? Now, obviously there are, there are lots of ways of thinking about it. So for example, last week, uh, Luke, wherever he is, I can't see him, Luke shared a testimony about going out and praying for someone who was sick, who was kind of bent over in half, could not stand upright. And, they pr and these guys prayed for him in the name of Jesus and he was instantly healed. Okay, things like that and not just pointers to the fact that God is good, it's evidence of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Because a dead person can't heal anyone, but a risen Messiah can. If you get filled by the Spirit, so what we did earlier, and um, when we were singing, being filled with the Spirit, and people contributing, people praying out, when we prophesy and we speak in tongues and someone interprets, people getting filled with the Spirit, that is evidence of the fact that Jesus is alive. Because, again, a dead corpse can't fill people with the Spirit, 
Risen messiahs definitely can. My suspicion is that's not going to convince your friends, or at least that's not necessarily what's going to be getting the conversation going. So, and that's not actually what Paul does either, if you notice about it. Paul's, Paul's very happy to use those kind of things as evidence for the fact that God pours his spirit out, for the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. But in this passage, Paul says, I'm going to provide evidence from history, evidence from witnesses, that Jesus actually bodily rose on the 9th of April, AD 30. Okay? And we're going to look for the next five minutes. We're going to, I'm going to, I want to show you guys that actually the most logical, likely explanation of all of the evidence that we have is that Jesus actually bodily rose from the dead. Okay? You ready for that? We all good? Are we still awake? Yeah, yeah you guys are sounding a bit... Okay, ready? Let's get doing some thinking now. Okay, so we know, historically we know there was an empty tomb. Okay, that's just... There's, there's no real argument about that. You can ask... You can ask a guy called N.T. Wright, who's an incredibly clever professor of New Testament at St. Andrews and happens to be a Christian who believes Jesus rose from the dead. He says, yes, there was an empty tomb. You can ask a guy called Geza Vermeesh, who was a professor at the University of Oxford, who is an atheistic Jew, I think. He doesn't believe Jesus rose from the dead and wrote a big book about it, but he says the tomb was empty. He said, you cannot get around the evidence. The tomb was empty. Okay, so we've got, on one side, we've got an empty tomb, and on the other side... Pretty much everyone agrees the disciples must have experienced something that convinced them that they had been face-to-face with the risen Jesus. Okay? It doesn't matter if you ask Christian, non-Christian scholars, very, very clever people, they say the evidence, there is no way Christianity would have spread to the whole of the Roman Empire within, a f- within 10, 20 years if the disciples hadn't genuinely been convinced that they'd been faced with the risen Jesus. Makes sense so far, right? Okay, so what people do is they try and come up with explanations of this. Obviously, the obvious one is Jesus rose from the dead, but that's too easy, isn't it? If the obvious one is Jesus rose. People don't want to believe that. So they come up with different theories, and at the end of the day, there are kind of different variations, but there are ultimately four different explanations apart from the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And we're just going to look at them quickly and see that they don't actually work. We're going to do what, what Paul says. We're going to be like Paul saying, okay, Jesus appeared to these 500 people. Go and ask them. Think about it. Don't just take it for granted. Go and ask these people. Look at the evidence that there is. Okay, so explanation number one, which you might find quite stupid just for the sound of it, is that Jesus didn't actually die. This, the idea is that he fainted on the cross, and that when they took his body down, they buried it, and then after a few days, he kind of gathered a bit more strength, got out of the tomb, rolled away a two-ton stone and went to his disciples and said, I've been raised! I'm alive! Okay, number one, the Romans knew how to kill people. They did it for a job. Okay, there would be people in, there would be three people in charge of crucifying a group of people and they themselves would be killed if they let anyone survive. So they had a pretty good incentive to make sure that Jesus died. Secondly, Jesus had a spear run through his side. Bible tells us that. There's no reason to doubt that historically. Jesus had a spear run through his side and then blood and water came out. He's dead. Okay, but let's, let's admit for a minute, let's imagine Jesus just kind of swooned. Somehow the guy missed his heart. So this guy has had his back ripped apart by, by flogging. He's had his shoulders dislocated. He has no ankles left essentially because he's had nails driven through them. They put him down in a tomb and this guy gets up onto feet that are pretty much non-existent anymore, rolls a two-ton stone away, walks a few miles over to meet the disciples, and convinces them that he's just defeated death. It's stupid. It makes no sense whatsoever. 
That theory doesn't work. So there is no way that Jesus not dying could be the answer. So that's, we've debunked theory number one. Theory number two is that the disciples got the wrong tomb. Now this is actually quite a sexist theory because the Bible tells us that the women were the first people to notice it. So it's, it's offensive to women to start with, which is bad in itself. But this also means, so the women kind of, they, they went around, they went along, they found an open tomb and they thought, oh my goodness, this is the tomb Jesus was buried in and it's, and it's open and it's empty. He must have risen from the dead. Okay, let's imagine that that happened. How likely is it that the whole of Jerusalem for the next however many days somehow didn't realize they'd got the wrong tomb? It was only a matter of time before someone found out, wait a minute, you've got two tombs down and he's actually in that one and here's his body it makes no sense but there are still people who will, who will say that kind of thing they'll say they just got the wrong tomb and they all got happy the disciples weren't expecting jesus to rise from the dead okay, that's clear from the bible that's clear from history they weren't expecting him to rise from the dead so if they find the wrong tomb one they're going to end up finding the right tomb and two they're not going to think ah oh, that means he's alive okay theory number two doesn't work theory number three the disciples stole the body Okay, this is the idea that the disciples were so sad, they thought, you know what, we're going to go and steal Jesus' body, and we're going to hide it, and we're going to pretend that he's raised from the dead. So the disciples have to go overpower a couple of Roman guards, roll away a two-ton stone, steal Jesus' body without anyone, no, without anyone noticing it's them, take it away, hide it, and then proclaim that Jesus has been raised from the dead, and get killed and tortured for it. Now, some people will die for something that they think is true but can't prove wrong. No one chooses to die and be tortured for something they know is wrong. It makes no sense. The disciples wouldn't have gone to the, some of them been crucified for preaching about the fact that Jesus was raised from, the, raised from the dead. They wouldn't have done that if they knew that Jesus wasn't actually alive and they'd just stolen his body. So that doesn't work. The fourth theory that, that people put across is that the Romans stole the body. They thought, you know what, we're going to have a bit of a prank on these, uh, on these Jewish people. They, th they, they love this guy, so we're going to steal his body and they're going to think he's raised from the dead. So they, the Romans go into the tomb, roll away the stone, take Jesus' body, and then on Easter Sunday, Mary, Magdalene and Mary, mother of Jesus, come along, find the tomb empty, run back to see the disciples, say, he's been raised! They all go and check, yes, the tomb's empty, he's been raised. That makes no sense either. Because within a few decades, the Romans were wiping out Christians left, right, and center for proclaiming that Jesus had been raised from the dead. They were trying to stamp out this religion that claimed that Jesus had actually been raised from the dead. Do you think that they wouldn't have just kind of produced the body and said, oh, by the way, guys, sorry, we nicked it? But they never did that. There's, there is no evidence anywhere of a Roman person writing down saying, ah, oh, there's this amazing story of the day we nicked this guy's body and then they ended up going around and saying he'd been raised and then we just produced the body and say, look, he's, he's actually dead. Okay, it makes no sense. Which means the only leftover alternative is that on AD 90, uh, sorry, AD 30, on the 9th of April, Jesus actually bodily rose from the dead and that God raised him. There's no other there is no other explanation, which is why, so I was talking about this guy called Tom Wright earlier. He writes this huge 700-page book going into far more detail than we can ever go into in a few hours. And he says, yes, all this evidence points towards the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Gaze of Ramesh, the guy I was talking about earlier, who says Jesus didn't rise from the dead, 
exactly the same arguments. It says, yes, here are all of the possible ways of explaining the data. None of them work, but Jesus didn't rise from the dead. I can't believe it, therefore I'm not going to believe it. And so actually, it's, it's not, it's not just kind of, we're not just kind of a small minority of people who are twisting data around. Actually, there are people who are very clever who come to the same conclusion, some of whom say, yep, the evidence points towards, towards the fact that Jesus actually rose from the dead. And others who say, yep, the, the data does point towards it, I'm going to choose not to believe it. And so I just wanted to get you guys, that might have been a bit of a mind melt for some of you, but I just wanted to get you guys to see, actually, we have evidence for the fact that this happened. This isn't just some kind of pie-in-the-sky belief, leap into the dark. Actually, we have evidence. And that's what Paul's trying to get us to do. He doesn't want us to be the kind of people who say, actually, at the end of the day, it's just blind faith. Because the stakes are far too high. If this is just blind faith, then the stakes are far too high for us to kind of bet our lives on something that probably didn't happen. But actually, all of the evidence points towards it. Healings, being filled with the Spirit, miracles, signs and wonders, and history points to the fact that Jesus of Nazareth rose from the dead on the third day, conquering death, conquering sin, and starting a movement which, which within a few decades had spread to the whole of the known world. There's no other explanation apart from the fact he actually rose from the dead. Okay, are we all happy so far? Yeah. All good, okay. So what does that actually mean? Okay, so some, some of you are probably sitting here thinking, yeah, I, I might have, you, some of you might have heard that before. Some of you might be here and you're actually, you're not a Christian and you've heard this and you thought, yeah, well, that makes sense, so what? What does that actually mean for me? Is it just like the end of an, is it just a nice end to a story? Is it just like a little added on thing at the end? So I think a lot of Christians think like that. They think actually the resurrection is just this little thing that we've added on uh, that Jesus gets to rise from the dead because it's not nice if he stays dead. And so to use, to use an analogy, some people would think of, Christi if you think of Christianity like a washing line, okay, washing line, you hang your clothes on it. Some people would say, ah, the resurrection, the resurrection is like the t-shirts that you hang up. Okay, you've got all of your clothes on and you've got a few t-shirts over the washing line. The resurrection's like the t-shirts. If the t-shirts get taken off the washing line, at the end of the day, you could still get dressed with the stuff. If you have no t-shirts on the washing line, all of the rest of your clothes can get dry. You could just wear a jumper instead of t-shirts. They say, it's important, but it's not, it's not gonna stop you going, like, going around clothed, okay? Other people say, no, 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 it's a bit like the pegs. You take the pegs off, and actually you could have random bits of clothing falling here and there, but at the end of the day, you can probably dry enough of your clothes to actually get dressed in an odd way. It's, it's not ideal, but it's just the pegs. Well, actually what Paul says is that if you take away the resurrection, it's like cutting the washing line. Nothing remains, okay? Nothing remains standing if you take the resurrection away. And I wanna show you that by looking at three particular things. So what we could do is we could say, what does the resurrection mean? And say it means this, it means that, it means that. What we're gonna do is we're gonna do what Paul does here which he does three times, he says, this is what would be true if Christ hadn't been raised from the dead. Okay, and we're gonna look at three things that are true if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. Let's imagine that we've just been deluded for the last 2,000 years, and that all of the evidence I've presented you doesn't exist, that Jesus isn't raised from the dead. What does that mean for us? Okay, and so I'm gonna get three of my friends to help me out with this uh, one by one. Can Dave Smith come up first, please? Up with Dave. Okay, now the first thing that Paul says is if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is in vain. Can we go to the first? Where is it? Okay, next one. Okay, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Now, Dave, 
Dave is a loud guy and Dave likes preaching. Okay, so Dave loves telling people about Jesus. He loves proclaiming the gospel. He loves telling people Jesus is alive. He can forgive your sins. And so he holds it up really high. And he's preaching. He loves to preach the gospel. Okay, we all, we all like that, don't we? That's what we're all called to do. We're all preachers at the end of the day in the sense that we're called to preach to our friends. We're called to tell people about the good news of Jesus raised from the dead. And Dave loves doing this. And he's got just the voice to do it too. And he's really good at it. Now, if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, Dave's preaching is completely empty, completely wrong. And in fact, even worse than that, he's found to be misrepresenting God. He's lying. Because he's going around saying, Jesus rose from the dead, and he didn't actually rise from the dead. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, Dave's preaching is in vain. Were any of you guys excited when a few years ago, the, um, a few years ago, the caramel cream eggs came out in big format? Yeah? How many of you were as disappointed as me when you opened it up and it wasn't filled with goo? Because <laughs> you look at it and you think, it's just, it's going to be the same as the little thing, but bigger. It's going to have all of this goo inside. It's going to be amazing. And you open it up and it's just this empty shell. That's what Dave's preaching is like <laughs> if Jesus isn't raised from the dead. It's like, here's all this amazing news and you actually open it and it's just empty. There's no substance. There's nothing in it. It's bunk. It's absolute rubbish, so put that down on the floor and just stand there and be quiet. Don't preach anymore. If Christ isn't raised from the dead, Dave is a massive liar. Okay? Now, we're all laughing, but I want you guys to see the seriousness of this. If Jesus isn't raised from the dead, then every this thing is lying. What I'm saying today is a massive lie. If Jesus isn't alive, our preaching is completely in vain. Okay? The second thing, and if Hazia could come out for this one. Now, I was going to try and find someone who'd been a Christian for a long time for this, and, but all of the elders, apart from Rich, who's really young, have gone away. <laughs> so I chose someone who's got a great amount of faith, okay? Now, Hazia has got faith. Hazia has been a Christian for, what, how long? Ten years. He loves Jesus. He loves the fact that he's put his trust in him. He trusts Jesus as his Lord. And he believes that Jesus has forgiven him by dying for him and by rising from the dead. He believes that because Jesus rose from the dead, he can be united with him. He's got faith in Jesus. What he believes is that he's no longer in his sin. He's no longer under the power of sin. So he's holding up faith very high. He loves faith. He loves what he believes. And he believes he's been forgiven of everything. If Jesus isn't raised from the dead, then that is a complete deception. Hazia's faith is in vain. It's futile. And what it says here, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Hazia, if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, you are still a sinner. You're still trapped in the grips of sin. You have no hope. Your sins are not forgiven. Because at the end of the day, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, it's like cutting the washing line. None of it stands. So faith on the ground, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, nothing of that is true. Okay, do you guys getting how serious this is. So we've got to be pretty sure Jesus actually rose from the dead, otherwise all of this falls apart. Third thing that Paul touches on is that if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then those who have fallen asleep, that means dead, by the way, that's, they're not just having a nap, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Right, Dave Morris. Okay, Dave Morris can come over here. Now... Now, Dave is on setup, which means he's pretty muscly. He's, uh, good at, he's good at lifting things, and 
He loves kind of helping out and carrying things. He's, he's in good health, pretty much. Um, <laughs> but Dave knows that even though he is so healthy, and even though he is so strong, because he carries around all of these crates and big things during setup, he knows that ultimately he can get sick. He knows that he will one day die. Okay? It doesn't matter how healthy you are, we will all die one day. By virtue of being a human being, by being a sinful human being, in Adam, the Bible says we're in Adam, we die. But Dave is very happy because he knows actually his ultimate hope isn't this body, as amazing as it is, I'm sorry Dave, as amazing as this current body is, that is not his ultimate hope. His ultimate hope is not this world in the state that it is at the moment. His ultimate hope is that one day when Christ returns, he will be raised from the dead. He will get a resurrection body. And so he is holding this up very high because Dave believes he's going to get a resurrection body because Jesus rose from the dead. That's why he believes it. It's like dominoes. If you push the first one, which is Christ's resurrection, all of the dominoes fall. The last one, which is Dave's resurrection, and all of our resurrection happens. Okay? It's like if I go and insult Mike Tyson, I will get a rearranged face. It's an inevitable consequence of something that happens. It's like thunder and lightning. You get lightning and you know that thunder's coming. Dave knows that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Therefore, he knows that one day he's going to get bodily raised from the dead. When he returns, he's going to be completely restored in a completely new creation. He is loving resurrection. I saw a video this week, really uh, moving video. Someone linked it on Twitter. The guy called um, Garwin Dobbins. Just to kind of earth this in reality, that actually for, for many people, the hope of resurrection is something they cling on to like anything. And this man had uh, an illness. I can't remember the name. It was too long. But he had an illness, which is only 300 cases documented in the whole of the world. And essentially, his muscle slowly turns to bone. And so he's sitting in this wheelchair, and there's kind of like airbags everywhere. The guy can hardly talk. And he's speaking about the fact that one day, when he gets a new body, he's going to run, he's going to dance, he's going to praise. And at the end of it, it just had me in tears. He, he, if you guys heard of the song, I Can Only Imagine? Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? And he, they, just, they propped him out of his wheelchair, and he started singing this song. Because he believed that one day, he would be raised from the dead. Because Jesus rose from the dead. Garwin Dobbins and Dave and all of us know that one day we're going to be raised. But if Christ is not raised from the dead, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, so when Dave dies, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, he has no hope. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ, so those are loved ones who have put their faith in Christ and are now dead, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, it's over. There is no hope for them. And in fact, Paul says this, he says, if in this life only, so we put that down, sorry. If in this life only, in other words, if we've done all of this, if we've put our faith in Jesus, believing that we'd be raised from the dead one day, and we got it wrong, and therefore this life is all there is, if in this life only we have put our hope in Christ, we are of all people the most to be pitied. Absolutely pitiful. Now some of you might think, why? Some of you might think, at the end of the day, it's not too bad a life, is it? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we die, got nice houses, nice cars, everything. It's not that big a deal. I heard a preach by a famous preacher called John Piper who was talking about the idea of suffering. And uh, he was preaching a bit out of this passage. 
And he said he heard an interview of a, with a monk uh, one day. And this guy asked the monk, and he said, if you get to the end of your life and you suddenly find out that all of this is a complete nothing, that you were wrong, would you regret the way you lived? And the monk thought about it a bit, and then he said, no, I wouldn't, because actually uh, ethics that come with Christianity are actually fairly good for living, which is true. But then John Piper said, Paul could never have said that. Paul would never have said, if in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people to be pitied, if he got to the last day and didn't regret his life. Because Paul was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he was flogged, he gave up getting married for the sake of the gospel. He gave up all pleasures that people would take for granted on this earth so that he could proclaim the gospel as much as he could. If Paul got to the last day and realized there is no resurrection of the dead, Jesus didn't rise from the dead, he is to be completely pitied. That's a bit of a, that, I find that a challenge. Would I, would I say about myself, I am to be pitied above all people if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead? I find that a real challenge. Garwin Dobbins, the guy lying in a wheelchair, unable to speak almost, hoping in his resurrection body, is of all people the most to be pitied if Christ didn't actually rise from the dead. You guys get the seriousness of this. This is big. Okay, let's read verse 20. It's not on the PowerPoint. So all of this, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, Dave's preaching is completely empty. It's like the caramel cream egg with no cream in it. It's absolutely empty. Hazia's faith is in vain. He's still in his sins. He's a complete mess, and he's just deluded about the whole thing. And Dave has no future hope whatsoever. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, that, what's hap that is what has happened. But Paul writes in verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And we've seen there is historical evidence for it. Paul points it out. It says, all of these people saw him alive. It happened. He appeared to me We've seen he pours his spirit out on us. So every Sunday we're witnesses to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. There is evidence for it. Jesus rose from the dead. 9th of April, April AD 30, he burst out of the tomb. And because of that, Dave's preaching is not in vain. When we tell other people about Jesus, his preaching is not in vain. It's full of truth. It's full of content. It is like, it's like the big Cadbury's cream egg, but full of substance. It's absolutely full. Hazia faith is not futile. He is not in his sins. He's been raised with Christ. He's been seated in the heavenly places. Because Jesus rose from the dead, Dave is sure that one day he will be raised from the dead, just like lightning is followed by thunder. He knows that because Jesus rose from the dead, he's going to get a resurrection body. Because Jesus rose from the dead, Paul and Brother Yun, a, a, a man who got persecuted for the sake of the gospel, thousands of believers around the world who are giving their lives for the gospel, Garwin, uh, Garwin Dobbins, they are not to be pitied because one day they will be raised from the dead and so will all of us. The hope of Christianity is not that we have some kind of bodiless existence sitting on a cloud somewhere. It's that we get physically raised in a perfect new body on perfect new earth. And because Christ rose from the dead, all of this is true. He's alive and he's reigning. And we can be absolutely certain of that. Okay, thanks guys. Can we give him a round of applause? Okay. So Jesus is alive, he rose from the dead, and because of that, all of these things are true. Okay, and we're going to respond in a minute, and we're going to respond by praising. There's no more appropriate response to the fact that Jesus rose, kick-started new creation, than by giving ourselves wholeheartedly to praise. We're just going to go mental for Jesus. Yeah? But there's one last thing, and the band can come up if you want, just get ready. 
There's one last thing I want to touch on. One more consequence, which Paul doesn't talk about in this passage, but he does talk about elsewhere, is that if Jesus rose from the dead, he is the Lord of the whole universe and the Lord of the whole world. Okay? And um, obviously, there, there, I don't think there are many guests here today, but even for those of us who are Christians, we need to know that. If Christ rose from the dead, he is Lord of the whole universe, which means he has complete and utter authority over everything. Everything you go through, everything that, that comes up in life, he's com- got complete authority over. He's the king of the whole of creation. And we must, we must keep that when we preach the gospel. We must not dull down this element of Christ being completely supreme over everything. Because our society and our world is trying to squeeze that and say, no, you can have your nice little Jesus in the corner. We're not having a Jesus that's completely sovereign over everything. And we need to preach because he's raised from the dead, he has complete and utter sovereignty over everything. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, which, by the way, doesn't just mean saying it. Paul was writing that to the Romans. He could not write Jesus is Lord to a church in Rome when the cry of that city is Caesar is Lord without them realising this may cost their life. If you believe in your hearts that God rose Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that he's Lord, in other words, saying, I'm completely yours, have your way, whatever, I'm yours, you will be saved. It's amazing. It's the gospel. It's the gospel of God. It's the gospel of Jesus. He's been raised for our sins. He's right, re- he died for us. We've been buried with him. And because he rose from the dead, we've been raised with him spiritually. And one day, we will be raised with him physically. It's amazing. It's the gospel. It's good news. And we're going to celebrate that now.